about showing us, showing us the glory of God. In Exodus chapter 33, uh, very familiar scripture. Look with me in verse number 12. It says this, Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, Bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now listen to these words here. Verse 13, it says, Now therefore I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. And he said, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. In other words, God, if you don't go, I don't want to go anywhere. If you don't go with me, if you don't send us, if, if you're sending us, I want you to come along and go with us. Don't, don't leave me here or don't let us go here by ourselves. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, for I know you by name. And he said, please show me your glory. Say that with me. Show me your glory. Show me your glory. Now when you think about what was going on here, Moses of this time was very keenly aware. He understood what was going on. He, he understood the need for the Lord's guidance in taking himself and the people, the children of Israel, to that place that God wanted them to be. He understood that he didn't want to go anywhere, Maryland, unless God went with them. He, he, he got that. He had, in other words, he had had some history with God before. He understood those. He understood God being with them. He understood God speaking to them. And he wanted to make sure, God, if I found grace in your sight, if I have found favor in your sight, and if you're going to send us, then you've got to go with us. We need you to go with us. If your presence does not go with us, the Scripture says, then don't send us at all. Just let us stay right here. God had called Moses to this greater place. He had, he had called Moses to come up to this, this mountain, the mountain of God, Mount Sinai, that we, that we read about and we talk about often in, in Scripture. And God had already given him the assurance that I'm, I'm going to go with you. My, my presence is going to go with you. And so Moses basically is what he's doing here is asking God for a confirmation. Or I want to be sure. I, I just want to be sure that you said what you said. I, I want to be sure that, that you're going to do what you said. We've, we've, been, we've done the same thing before. I've even done that with my kids before. I tell them I'm going to do something, and, and then the kids will come back and say, well, Dad, are you sure? Are you, are you, are, is that sure? Are you, are you sure you're going to do that? Or, I just want to make sure that you said. You know, you've heard me tell the story about when, when I was growing up and Dad would take me out hunting, and he would set me on a, on a tree stump or by a tree and, and leave me there. And he always told me, I'll come back for you. Don't leave. Don't, don't get out there in the woods and get lost. Just stay here, and I'm coming back for you. Now, <laughs> I believe that most of the time. But there was some occasions, Brother Tim, that he didn't come back like I thought that he needed to come back. And I'm like, where is this guy? You know, he, he, he's leaving me out here, and I want him to come back. And so I started rationalizing things in my head. And I want you to listen to what I'm saying because we all do that. It may be different than the hunting thing, but we get into circumstances and we find ourselves in situations that we start to work things out on our own. God said, I'm going to do this. God said, I'm going to do that. But God doesn't move when, he, when we think that he ought to move and he doesn't show up 
when we think he ought to show up. And so we start, we start figuring this thing out, how, how we can get this thing done. And, and when dad would leave me and I, and, I, and I had this gun, you know, I said, well, I, you know, the only thing I know to do, I'm going to shoot this gun. And when I shoot this gun, I know dad is going to have his ear tuned in to where I am. And he's going to come, <coughs> he's going to come to where I am. And so most, and I would do that. And on two or three occasions, I wouldn't shoot nothing. I'd just shoot up in the air. And Dad would come up there, and he would, Dad, I don't ever remember. Now, you may have done this, but I never remember if, if, you know, for instance, if, like, where Brother Charles is sitting back there, I would be sitting on a stand, and Dad would get about this close, probably. And he would, he would get me, he would see me, and get in the line of sight, and I would see him, and, and he would look. He said, uh, what are you shooting at? And I'd say, well, I ain't shooting at nothing. I just wanted to get you up here. Because either I'm cold or, or you didn't come when you said he was going to come. Well, that would, I don't know if he stood off so that I couldn't see his face get that mad red or whatever, you know, for getting him, getting him off his stand or, or he was going to fix him to whoop me or all that kind of stuff. That's probably what it was or, or what. But, but at least it got him up there. Well, Moses basically had to ask God just as a confirmation. I, I, just, wanna, I just want to know, God, that you are going to go with us. And he, he ended up this scripture by saying, I want you to show me your glory. Show me your glory. He understood. Now you think about it. Moses understood what it was like traveling without God. Now you think about that. He has spent 40 years on the backside of the desert working for his father-in-law. There was no record. Now, now he, he may have had God to show up, but there's no record in scriptures that talks about the presence of God with Moses during that time. You don't read nothing that, that God had any interaction with Moses during that time. So it was probably a growing time or a, or, a, or a learning process or whatever that God had him on on that backside of the desert. Now let me stop here long enough to ask you this. Have you ever felt like that God has had you on the backside of the desert somewhere? Maybe teaching you something or training or, or trying to speak those, those truths to you. You couldn't, you couldn't get it there in Egypt. You couldn't get it because everything was given to you. Every, everything was, was handed to you. You couldn't get it there. And so you had to get off on the backside of the desert somewhere in order to listen to God. In order to listen to the voice of God. Have you ever been in a crowd and felt by, like you was by yourself? Voices all around you, but you felt like you was by yourself. And Moses here, there's no record of God's presence. Moses' destiny, understood, was not in Midian, where he was at. But it was with the people of God. It was with God's people. And I believe tonight that there's, there's so many people tonight in our circles that, that's tending sheep in the desert when God wants them to be out in leadership and leading people to Jesus Christ. Amen. Leading the people to Jesus Christ. I heard a guy say today, I can't remember his name. Uh, Caleb may remember on, on the, speaking to the General Assembly. He said, you know, when I hire somebody, he said, I never give them those leadership positions. I want to make sure they can, they can win a soul to Christ first. I thought about that a little bit. I said, Lord, I wonder if all of us would, if we, we ought to get that in our mind, in our mindset, that's what we ought to do. We ought to learn to win somebody to Jesus Christ before we can lead people to Jesus Christ. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? of learning to, to get there and listening to the voice of Almighty God. <clears throat> because I believe that God has a wonderful purpose and a wonderful destiny for every one of us, but sometimes we're too busy just tending the sheep. We're too busy just maintaining the sheep. We're too busy. Some, some of y'all need to go with me what I'm fixing to say and not just, not just listen to what I'm saying. We're too busy just every now and then giving people a drink. 
Are you following me? There's so much more than just the drink to God. There's so much more than just simply being led by God to a particular place. There's so much more in our relationship with God that He wants to take us to that level that we can actually see His glory. Tending sheep is not a bad thing. Tending sheep is, a, is, is an okay thing. It can afford us a place to be, but God's presence is in the place that He has for you in the future somewhere. He's teaching you and He's training you those things. That process that God is going is to take you there. Don't bypass the process. Don't bypass the tending of the sheep and you, or you'll not be able to do what God has called you to do if we bypass that thing. Those years, I thought about this, and those years that I was, I was doing other things, I was busying myself doing other things, had no idea God was going to call me to pastor. But those things that I was doing that I can see now that I didn't see then, Sister Ruth was in preparation, was getting us ready, was preparing. And what God is allowing you to be involved in and getting involved in, He's preparing you and getting you involved to, 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 for, for the future events that God has for you. And don't, miss, don't lose sight of that. Don't lose sight of that. God was taking us through a process so that we could handle what God has for us in the future. Now, I might not have understood, but something within me, you know, just kept telling us and uh, kept telling me and probably telling you as well that God is, there's a purpose, there's a purpose, there's a purpose. Just keep on the path, keep on the path, keep on the path. How many of you ever remembers and experienced the glory of God in your life? The glory of God. Moses was no stranger to the glory of God. God spoke to him in a burning bush. He saw the glory of God. He had to take his shoes off because he was standing on holy ground. God reminded him that he was on holy ground. God enabled him to do a lot of miracles to lead the people out of Egypt. God led the people with a cloud by day that, that we read and a, and a pillar of fire by night. It protected them from the heat of the desert and it gave them guidance. It gave them warmth. It gave them light even in the night to lead them. And just as Israel was led by the glory of God, the church has also got to learn to move when the cloud moves. The church has got to learn to move when the pillow of fire has to move. We can't stay where we are and get to where, we're, where God wants us to be, right? So there's things that has to be done, even in our day and time. Even when I was growing up, even when you was growing up, we had to change some things. We had to move some things. We had to have a direction. And, I, and, our, and our leadership of the church has been talking about that this week, about how to set up this and set up that as far as the direction and the leadership of our church and listening to the voices that God is raising up men and women within the body of, of our church. So you think, well, Pastor, what is meant then by the glory of God? What are you talking about? When you look at Ephesians chapter 3, 16, it talks about the, the glory that it belongs to God. In Ephesians 1 and 7, it tells us that God is the Father of glory. In 1 Corinthians 2 and 8, it says that Jesus is the Lord of glory. In Psalms 24, verses 7 and 8, it reminds us that He is the King of glory. And it says, lift up your heads, O you gates. O be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? It's the Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle is He. He is the King of glory. Amen. He has the power to set free. He has the power to loose the chains that has us bound so often. He has the power to lift us up out of our faults and our failures and sets up on the foundation for you and I to move on and, and go forward with Him. That's our theme in the church of God right now. Simply go. Everybody say that, go. Just go. 
Gypsy, go. Jesus is called the king, is called the king of glory because he alone has the power to redeem us and free us from the clutches of sin that's on our life. Amen. Glory belongs to God as water belongs to the seas and ice and snow belongs to the Arctic. It belongs to God. We called it sometimes, we've talked about this before, but in the Old Testament when you look at the glory of God, many times it's referred to as the Shekinah of God. The Shekinah glory of God, the manifested part of the glory of God, of how He reveals Himself to us. They saw in the Shekinah the cloud. Remember the children? That was a manifestation of God's power and God's glory. They, that, was the, that was the Shekinah glory. The pillar of fire was a, was a Shekinah glory of God that led them for 40 years. They saw the Shekinah cloud as it filled the house of God when they dedicated the temple. Remember when the, when the cloud and the smoke come in that the priests could not even perform their duties, right? Everything had to stop because that Shekinah glory came in. Boy, I tell you, I'd love for Shekinah glory just to fill our house every time we come together, right? Amen. We need that. This world needs that today. The glory is, is described as a devouring fire. Even on top of Mount Sinai, as Moses was called out by God. We see that reference there. Ezekiel saw the glory of God as an appearance of fire. Elijah prayed unto the glory of God, fell from heaven as a fire. The upper room, they saw the glory of God. It came into that upper room. The, might, the strong, mighty wind, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, cloven tongues of fire, set up on everyone till the, till the room got too small. They had to get out into the streets. People thought they were drunk. And Peter says, they, they're not drunk like you suppose because it's, just, it's, just, it's, it's not that time of the day, in other words, but they're drunk on the Holy Ghost. 3,000 souls was added because of the Shekinah glory of God that showed up in that upper room. Amen. I remember a story my, my grandfather told, Paul told, of when he sat in that Brush Harbor meeting and how God, Brother Larry, moved in with a ball of fire and it, it bounced from one side to the other side and it went down that church and every pew that it passed people would be slain under the power of the glory of that Shekinah glory of the Lord the glory of God you know what the glory of God does the glory of God will make you do things that you wouldn't think you you would do the glory of God will, will take you and pin you down to a floor and you can't get up I've had that happen to me one time just one time the glory of God and I'm not trying to say that because you know to to make you think that we that there's weird stuff I, I'm, I'm talking about the presence of God. Have you ever thought, and I know we say this and we talk about this, but have you ever thought how you would react? How you would react when God's glory or the presence of God, I mean actually show up where you are. We think we're going to do this, we're going to do that. I, I have a feeling I don't think we'd do, what we, I don't think we'd do nothing that we, that we have in our minds what we'll do. Everywhere I read in the Scripture, Sister Net, where the glory and, and that kind of power, people fell prostrate on the ground before the Lord. They, didn't, they couldn't stand before Him because of His magnificence and the power of Almighty God. We sing the song, our God, our great, How Great Is Our God, the splendor of the King, wrapped in royalty. He wraps Himself in light. How great is our God. We sing those courses, but one day we're going to know Him, church. We're going to know Him in the fullness of His power. One day we're going to know Him in the fullness of His glory. Amen. We're going to know Him one day like that. The power of Almighty God. His presence is fullness of joy. His presence is fullness of joy. He's coming back one day. I believe He's coming back one day.
Matthew 24 and 36 says this, But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah, listen to me. This is that Matthew 24 I was telling you about just a few minutes ago. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days of Noah before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and they did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Two men will be at the field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at the meal, one will be taken, and the other left. Watch therefore, for you, for you do not know what hour the Lord is coming. But know this. If the master of the house had known what hour the thief would have come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, and he's talking to us here, therefore also be ready. Be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. He's coming at an hour that you do not expect. There's things that's already taken place in our, in our world in these, these United States that I would have never thought we would have seen. Actions and things and decisions and attitudes and morals and all these things that we look at today and we scratch our head and we wonder, how, why are you acting like this or why are you thinking these things and why are you trying to push this agenda and that agenda? It's the end times we're living in. It's all that it is. It's the end time. But don't, don't worry. God has everything under control. He knows everything that's going on. Amen. The time is coming when the knowledge of the glory of the Lord is to cover the earth. It'll cover the earth. Then, the scripture says, the, man, the lame man will leap as the deer. The tongue of the dumb is going to praise, give praise to the Lord. Waters will even break out in the wilderness in streams of desert. The ransomed of the Lord will return and come with singing unto Zion. Everlasting joy will be upon their heads. There shall obtain, we shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and mourning will be no more. It will flee from our, from our thoughts and our eyes because of the glory of God. I don't know about you and we've prayed many times and you probably have prayed many times. God, just keep your anointing coming. Keep the glory coming. God, reveal yourself to us. Pour out your glory in this place. I want to tell you, when God's glory shows up or that manifestation of the glory, it always produces a praise within us. Always produces a praise. I've heard from several of you that Sunday morning, as the musicians and worship leaders were singing, that, that, that we just erupted in praise and worship. That's what I'm talking about. When God starts manifesting His power, it produces a praise. That's, that's what it's going to do for us. We're going to bow down. We're going to worship Him. We're going to give Him all. We're going to give Him everything. We're going to honor Him. When the glory of the Lord filled the temple, the Bible said the seraphim cried out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with His glory. When the glory of the Lord filled the house where they were sitting on the day of Pentecost, people responded that day by praising God and speaking wonderful works of God in unknown tongues that they thought that, that the, all the people were there and said, I, I hear my tongue over here and I, I hear my tongue over there and I hear my tongue. They didn't, they didn't know how to speak those languages, but they was referenced in Scripture that they were speaking those languages. <laughs> because of the glory of God. See, there's, there's a few things that's going to take place when, God's, when, when God shows up. There'll be some things that'll, show, that'll take place. One of the things that'll take place is that God will interrupt you. He'll interrupt your plans. He'll interrupt your agenda. And that's all right. Don't get mad at that. <laughs> God will interrupt what you, what you have going on. And that's a good thing. When the temple was dedicated to the priest... They had a job to do. 
But they couldn't do their job because God's glory showed up. They had to stop what they were doing, Brother Adam. They had to stop what they were doing. When the ark was brought into the temple, the priest couldn't even stand to minister. Couldn't stand to minister. You and I, we've been in services before where, where we just, we just got to get out of the way. And I like it like that. Yeah, we have a plan, and yes, we have an agenda, and yes, we have a program, and yes, we have bullet points that, that we want to follow every Sunday. But I want to tell you, you already know this. If God shows up, that goes out the window. And we want God to show up. We need God to show up. We want His presence to go up. I like it sometimes. Probably the sound guys don't like it and the, and the projection guys, but sometimes with Sister Michelle, even when I'd done this when I was lead music, that I know sometimes she'll get up there and, and she has this set of, of songs that she's going to do or, or whatever. When God shows up, the whole song list goes out the window because God starts putting other songs you know, in, her, in her heart and in her thoughts that's appropriate for that time. And that's okay. And we've got to allow the Spirit of God and the glory of God to move when He wants to. We need to never dictate to God how we're going to do church. Uh-uh. If we ever get to that place, we need to, we need to do something else. We need to allow God to move and do as He wants to. Amen? Amen. Another thing that God will do when His glory shows up, it'll produce in us a, a heavenly or a righteous fear. And let me explain that a little bit. I'm not talking about where you're just... You're just afraid of, of God. I mean petrified and terrified of God. I'm talking about a, a reverence fear where there's some things you're going to stop doing because you reverence God. You reverence a holy God. I remember being in services before, Brother Parker, where I, I'd grip the back of the pew, as I've said before, because God showed up and I didn't want to do anything outside where I thought that he was going to get a hold of me. <laughs> Let me just put it that way. I wanted, I wanted to be a part of, of his moving. His, and I didn't want to do anything that would hinder him moving in my life. A reverence, a holy fear. When Isaiah saw God's glory, he said, Isaiah said this, he said, I'm a man of unclean lips. This was a prophet of God. But he recognized I, I'm unworthy. I listened to, I didn't tell Caleb this, but I'll go ahead and share it with you. I listened to that brother, Brother Stockhill this afternoon. Boy, I felt unworthy about everything. I felt unworthy about being a Christian. I felt unworthy about being a pastor. I felt unworthy about, any, about everything. I said, God, I ain't doing nothing. When I listened to this guy, it put me in that place. God, help me. Help me to, to, to listen to you more and more. That's how it made me feel. And I, I don't look at that in a bad, look at that in a good sense. Because there's still room for improvement in us. Amen. God's still working on us. Simon Peter, when God's glory showed up, he said, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. Job said, I've heard of thee, and I abhor myself, and I repent, Job said. When the glory of God shows up, sinners begin to tremble. Have you ever been a sinner before? Well, all of us have. That's a dumb question, isn't it? What I mean by that is that you've been in church, and God shows up, and you begin to tremble because you knew you was wrong, and you needed to get right with God. You needed, you needed to make a change. That's what happens. Saints, sinners tremble, but saints sometimes stand in awe of God's presence, in awe of His presence. One of the troubles, I really believe this with all of my heart, one of the troubles of our churches today is we don't stand in awe of God's presence anymore. We don't stand in awe, and we lack the fear of God anymore. We don't fear God anymore like we need to. There's coming a day where this loving father of ours will become a righteous judge. 
But I can tell you right now, we don't want to stand before the, before the judge and give an account. We want to be right when he comes. We want to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We want to be ready to go, amen. And it's time that the church today, I believe, that we need a healthy fear of God that moves us into a place of holiness, that when we come into the sanctuary of God or we come into the presence of God, that we recognize who he is and we have a holy, reverent fear of who God is, of who God is. Remember I told you a few weeks ago in the Old Testament, people had a fear of God, but it wasn't a, it wasn't a heavenly fear. It was, a, it was one of those terrified fears because a lot of times when God showed up, people died in the Old Testament. It, they did. Grounds was opened up and people were swallowed up. You know, people, they, they were, things happened because, because they wasn't following after God. God had, had guidelines. God had, had rules, basically, that, that you had to follow, had laws that you had to follow. You say, well, Pastor, well, it's, it's no different today. Well, yeah, it is. We live in a New Testament today. There's mercy and there's grace today. Hallelujah. Thank God for that mercy and grace for every one of us to be swallowed up today. Thank God for that. Yes, there's still guidelines and there's still things that we've got to follow what the written word of God says in order to see the, the, the glory of God and experience the, the glory of God. But when I mess up, and we do, God gives me mercy. God shows me grace. God saves my soul and He forgives me of the sin. Amen. When the fear, when, when God's glory shows up, there's a, it inspires within us to live our life a, a better life, to live a holy life, better than what we're living. Throughout the Bible, God's holiness is mentioned in Exodus 29 and 43. The Bible says, The tabernacle shall be sanctified, made holy by my glory. God is glorified in the holiness of His people. And true holiness always gives glory to God. It always gives glory to God. Everything that we do in church, everything that we do ought to, ought to point back to the Father. Everything. Everything needs to point back to the Father. Jesus himself said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Everything that he done always pointed back to the Father. So it's not, it's not me and it's not you and, and we don't stand up here and, and have a, a name, so to speak. It's all about Jesus. It's all about God. Everything we do is all about him. The glory of God is in the church. There'll be holiness within his people. There'll be holiness. With now, I want to say that one more time. But I want you to really think about this. We're living in 2016. There's a lot of things that's going on. And I think back when we was walking down those streets of Seattle and seeing everything that we saw. I mean, the first afternoon that we was there, we come across a, a Jehovah's Witness group, which was actually, they was polite and, and just talking to people passing by on the street. We run across the, uh, somebody dressed up like Jesus, and they were preaching their message. I don't know. I couldn't understand what it was. We, we passed this, this, this Black Lives Matter movement that was preaching their, their message, and we passed by this, this radical, militant-looking gospel group that had pictures of the end of the world and destruction and fire and, and all these things, you know. <clears throat> and a lot of things they were saying was true, but the way their approach was about it was like very militant, very, uh, you know, in your face, going to kill people, that kind of thing, you know. And then we go down, and then we go down, and we do all kinds of things, and I'm thinking, Lord, where's all your people at? Is this it? <laughs> we said, walk, is, are, these, are these the ones right here? And I got to thinking about the Scripture. It says, in the end days, people will be doing this, and be going there, and they'll be marrying and giving in marriage and drinking and all these things and not even thinking about the coming of God, not thinking anything about the presence of God, not thinking anything about the glory of God. 
Noah tried to reach him for years, did he not? Preached to him for years, but until the door shut, they was unaware. Until the rain came, they was unaware of what he was actually talking about. I'm going to tell you this. When the glory of God is in the church, and I hope you won't take this wrong, a lot of pastors, a lot of leaders within the church today, one of their one of the biggest reasons, and, and Dad and Brother Parker and others that's pastored, you, you testify, one of the biggest reasons that pastors will leave the pulpit is because of conflict within the church and because of having to deal with people and issues within the church. And they can't, they can't, they can't handle it. The pressure of it gets too, too great. When the glory of God shows up within the church, listen to me, there'll be holiness in the people of God those issues and those conflicts won't be there. I'm, I'm talking about from an overall picture here. They won't be there. We'll understood, understand that God is in charge. He's directing my life. He's in control of my life. And He's going to take care of those issues in my life. Amen. I'm not saying we won't have to get prayer every now and then. I'm not saying that we won't have to deal with issues. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about an overall picture here. The holiness of God will be in the people of God sitting in the pews. Amen. Amen. You can't live in the presence of God without making some kind of commitment to holiness. And I'm not talking about here holiness of, of how you dress and what you look like. That's not what I'm talking about. You've got to look a little deeper than that. What's your motive? What's your attitude? Where's the character? Where's the integrity of your relationship with Jesus Christ? Amen. Where's the, where is that? We, we judge on the outside, but God judges on the inside. He looks on the inside. God's glory produces a transformation in us when He allows the glory to come in. Amen. In closing tonight, when Moses, when Moses saw this burning bush in Midian, he was aware that it was the presence of God. He was aware that, that it was the glory of God. He was, he was never the same after that moment. He had been there for 40 years on the backside of that desert. But that one event, that one event. You remember me, me talking to you about... Uh, the house of Obed-Edom, when he had the ark for those three months, it changed his life. I mean, it radically changed him and his whole family. Eighty-six, I believe, family members that, that, that moved, that up and just moved and, and went to where that ark was, the presence of God. They was radically changed, radically changed. When the disciples saw the glory of God on the Mount of Transfiguration, they was never the same. When Jacob saw the glory of God, the angels descending and descending from heaven on a ladder, he was never the same. And I pray in my prayer tonight, and I hope your prayer will be even, even tonight, that God show us your glory. And when you show us your glory, transform us so much so that we will never, ever be the same again. We'll never be the same again. Why? Because God's glory will help us understand the reality of Pentecost and what the Lord done in, in Pentecost. It'll move us from, from a formal formalism sort of attitude that we're worshiping in freedom in the spirit of Almighty God. Amen. And it'll open our eyes <laughs> to the splendor of who He is when God's glory shows up. Lord, let Your glory show up in the house. Let Your glory show up in my life. Let your glory show up in my family. Let your glory show up in every, every business deal, every, every area that I have to go. Let your glory show up, God, we pray. Father, I thank you tonight. I thank you for this people. I thank you for this church. I thank you, God, for your word. I thank you, Lord, for the glory of Almighty God. Lord, I, 
I, I, I count myself of not knowing anything, Lord. Lord, I count myself as very insignificant tonight when I see and hear things, O oh God, and understand the more I grow in you, the, the more I know that I don't know nothing in you. But God, I'm asking you, and I'm, I'm asking you, God, just to pour your glory out among us tonight, we pray. And over the next few coming days and weeks and months, and in this church as well, O oh God, transform us, O oh God, to where we are nothing like we used to be. Transform us to where we are not, we, we've, we've totally changed. We're, we don't talk the same way. We don't, we don't look the same. We don't even act the same. But we've been transformed by your glory, Lord. Help us, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus. Send us your glory. Send us your glory. And Lord, help us be aware of it when it shows up. Don't let us be asleep. Don't let us be asleep as Samson was. Don't let us be asleep, O oh God, and not even know when the glory leaves. God, help us to understand when He shows up and stays with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.